You are listening to Skip It, the podcast about the iconic 60s Australian TV show about the famous and cute kangaroo called Skippy. Welcome to episode 30 of season one. This episode is part two of a two-part series called Mayday. Well, the first part was called Mayday, and this part is called Where There's Smoke. Directed by Max Farnell, written by Ross Napier and Tony Booth. It stars our usual family, plus Barbara Joss as Barbara Mason. Sir Adrian Gillespie is on, played by John Warwick. Art Hawks is played by Ray Lamont and Sam Rankin, played by Bill Hunter. So there's a few extra characters in this episode and there are some screws about to be tightened on one of our main characters. To join me and you to discuss this episode, you're now about to hear from Lee. Hello, Lee. Hey, Ashwin. Great to be here. And John, hi. Hey, guys. So in part one, Jerry's chopper went down, but he survived. In part two, we see whether he stays alive and what the crash investigators might do to him. So part two opens up with a slight recap of the first episode. We see the chopper going down. Then we see Jerry wake up from a nightmare. So it's clear at this point he's probably going to survive and the episode will be about something else. Lee, were you happy about this new direction the episode was going to take? I definitely enjoyed the direction that it took. I thought that intro was particularly interesting because that whole nightmare scene, they used some really clever audio tricks there. They highlighted the most dramatic elements. They dropped out sound in other areas. I thought that was really cool the way that they did that. It was a real compelling start to this traumatic event that Jerry has gone through. Like it's really affected him. Yeah, very, very important to yeah, start strong with an episode. And John, it was changing from a survival story to a criminal investigation type story. What did you think about this change in direction? You know, it wasn't too much of a surprise, but it did get pretty much straight into it. I did like the flashback too to the crash and um, Jerry having this nightmare to it because, you know, he's got post-traumatic stress from, you know, a very traumatic event. And I think this is a thing we've got to remember this. Like as soon as it comes to it everyone's like suspecting him (laughs) like he's straight away so it's it's very interesting because we've got to remember that jerry you know is pretty innocent through most of this yeah it's not the easiest recovery environment for a patient definitely back at uh skippy hq so (laughs) sunny and skippy are at the fallen chopper that's where we go to next they're at the fallen chopper when they're confronted sternly by the crash investigators hawks and rankin who are dressed like madman characters and from our like Police wearing black tie in previous episode. It seems no investigator in the 60s ever dressed down. So I imagine when I go to India, there's often it's a very suit and tie culture. So it's quite overheating. What do you think? Were, they, were the investigators a bit too formal for you, Lee? Or, or did you not notice that at all? No, I did. But I mean, Mad Men was set around this time. So it does fit. But at the same time, it made them look like FBI agents. Like really serious. Like these were not just regular cops. This is the hardcore investigative unit that's been sent in here. So, but yeah, it would have been yeah. roasting in the Australian bush. Bloody hell. <laughs> Yeah, well, even when you go up bush, there should be some shorts exemption, right, John? What, what yeah, yeah. Well, everyone needs to have the option for shorts in Australia, I think. No matter what, for formal wear or whatever, you should be able to wear a tux with shorts and really yeah. short ones too. Uh, no, I thought it was really interesting. Was I'm pretty sure Bill Hunter's character had a little, like he had his jacket off maybe over his shoulder, but that was a style thing, I think, more than anything. And he was chewing on a gum leaf, which I thought was interesting. Well, what I immediately got the impression was these guys were like, like noir detectives right out of like a uh, old 
30s book and immediately grilling like a 10-year-old I thought was hilarious. Yeah, that was. So, I mean, they had the look and they get straight into it. Basically, they start quizzing Sunny about why Jerry was flying so far from his patrol route. And Sunny replies, oh, there was a fire. But the investigators reject that. And as Johnny said, continue their intimidation of a nine-year-old boy. Um, they then lay down their most menacing threat which is someone's in trouble with a capital T. And we see a close-up on Sonny's face as he tries to work out what capitals are because <laughs> his radio school sounds pretty shit. Um, so I'm going to ask what you guys made of the investigators. Johnny, you've given me your impression of them. Lee, any final thoughts on the attitude and behaviour of our investigators? It was just hilarious that they would do this to a little kid. And it made me think back to that previous episode where I thought, here's an adult who does know how to speak to a kid. And that was Joe from the episode that we talked about a few weeks back called The Rustlers. He was very clever about getting information and manipulating a small kid. Whereas these guys, they were talking to him like he was like a crack addict. Who was just, <laughs> who was yeah, like some, 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 like, what's, what's the, what's the uh, story on the street, kid? Tell me. Smack, smack. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. But that, yeah, it was, it, it was really funny. They were playing bad cop, bad cop. It was yeah, just dumb. Bad exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They got the combo wrong there. Um, so, as, as Sonny gets back to headquarters, he tells Matt about these investigators and he says, you know, Jerry isn't going to be in trouble, is he? During the conversation, it's clear that Matt wants to calm Sonny, but not outright say that Jerry hasn't done anything wrong and he will be cleared. Matt doesn't want to lie. So he diverts the conversation slightly and says that investigating is standard procedure. Back in Jerry's room, so Adrian tells him he's lucky to be alive and he should take it easy. As Matt walks in, the three of them discuss how the investigators don't waste time. Hawks and Rankin then arrive outside headquarters and continue their campaign of child grilling with Mark. He doesn't cave, but he looks and sounds like he's hiding something, and the investigators can sense it. They ask why Mark didn't call for emergency help, but did call Bardsley Airfield to see if Jerry had arrived. So it seems that Mark knew that Jerry was in trouble, but didn't call the authorities for help. They're starting to pick up some inconsistencies in the story and they feel like they're getting closer. Can I point out a potential plot hole here, which is that Matt says, as you indicated, every time that there's a crash, the investigators come out. There have been so many crashes (laughs) Helicopters on this show. Shouldn't they just be greeting Mark and Matt like, hey boys, like just have met them a hundred times already? Yeah. yeah. They should have an office at the <laughs> they, they, should, they should be based out there. <laughs> just in yeah. case. But before I explain what happens next, so Sir Adrian is in the room with Jerry. John, do you know who the hell Sir Adrian is? Have I have we seen him before? Yes, yeah, I had to do a little bit of a recall, but it's the episode. He was in the episode where they have the double of Matt, and he's taking some important person to the park, and all of that. And then he, you know, basically immediately sells Matt down the river, like you know, just goes, "Oh, you know, you're gone and stuff." And then they find out that there's an imposter. Do you remember that guy? Yeah, that's right. So he might be have ultimate control of the park, like a minister. He, yes, he does. He's he's got like the, he's the person in charge of all the that stuff. And I really get irritated because he only seems to be worried about his reputation and what's not, you know, what's right or wrong. Yeah, typical lord, is typical aristocrat. <laughs> so he's with Jerry in the room, and Matt is also there. And Matt's quizzing Jerry about his flight path and the fact that there's no trace of the fire that Jerry had reported seeing smoke from. 
Jerry is about to explain why Mark didn't call for help when Sonny walks in to let Matt know the investigators grilling Mark. He brings them back in to meet Jerry and the investigators ask to be alone with him. Sir Adrian tries to stay, but the investigators politely persuade him not to. Hawks sits on his chair back to front like a drug and alcohol counsellor would when trying to connect with inner city youth. Hawks says that the country's aviation standards are high and it's their job to keep them that way. When they said that line, Lee, are you now starting to sympathise more with the investigators and how they're behaving? And is it right for Jerry to be dismissed? No, I still wasn't at that point. I mean, turning your chair around the other way to be all cool doesn't really work with the kids as I think he probably assumes it does. And he's still an authority figure who's grilling underage kids. I mean, he's, you know, not Jerry at this point, but he's still, they're still the antagonist. Like they're still the ones that you're thinking, oh God, are they going to remove his license? Still, I still was not on board. Yeah, it's not on board. John, were you starting to turn around with the investigator? Well, you know, it's a fair point because Australia has very high standards and just so you know, I did a little bit of Googling and, and in I got an article from 2018 in Australia, the aviation has been judged one of the world's safest after an international civil aviation organisation audit ranked it sixth amongst member states for safety oversight. So in two, that was in 2017. So it, we're still pretty much like up there. So it's not a small boast. It's an actual true one. So I sort of did sympathise with his role there. And I think that was him to try to get it it drilled through Jerry's head to, you know, go, this is why we're here. But I still had bitterness from him grilling poor old Sonny and and who had nothing, you know, he didn't know anything at all. He was away the whole time. Yeah. And then... Poor, poor Mark, who got put into this situation by Jerry anyway. So yeah. they make a statement that it's harder to get information around here than pulling teeth. And it's probably because they're so keen on interrogating little kids. Yeah, yeah. as being jerks about asking questions. Like, if yeah. you're going to, the whole thing is like, you know, wouldn't you want to fish information out by not accusing them like of the worst thing possible um, yeah. straight away? Like, surely you'd do a bit more of a casual approach. Yeah, it's interesting. I think Americans are much more about, you know, First Amendment rights or to not incriminate yourself. I don't know which amendments it is, but the right to remain silent. He had an American-Australian accent. He was Yeah, well, it was uh, Ray Lamont, and he was in, like, Spy Force, Riptide. He was in a lot of Australian shows. So maybe he came over from um, America? I'm not sure. Yep, Mm. and they put him straight into, into Bad Cop. So they're grilling Jerry at this point alone, and Jerry says the tail rudder collected something. The chopper went into auto mode, and that's why he crashed. They ask him why he was flying so low. Jerry mentions seeing the fire, but they're dismissive of this. They've found no evidence of it. They say Matt can't find any evidence of it. They don't believe there was a fire. However, the investigators do accept the rudder collision brought the chopper down, saying they found a munted eagle. Not exactly their words, but something like that. Now, Jerry I'm pretty sure that is the official uh, aviation <laughs> term for it. Sounds like a golf score of eight. Like, oh, that's a munted eagle on <laughs> Now, Jerry confesses he was going to Bardsley to meet a friend, but after work was over, Sonny and Skippy are now snooping outside the building, listening in on this, and they realise the investigators don't believe Jerry. Sonny tells Skippy they need to find evidence of the fire to clear Jerry. Sir Adrian is now criticising Jerry's judgment to Matt, calling him irresponsible. Matt defends Jerry, saying he didn't let Mark light the flare when rescuing him. Sir Adrian accepts that. 
which I guess confirms what we all believe. It's Mark who's irresponsible. (laughs) (laughs) It's clear that Sir Adrian has lost confidence in Jerry. Lee, is Sir Adrian being fair in all of this? Yeah, I mean, and maybe just to re-clarify, the question you asked me before about sympathising with them, from a reality point of view, obviously I'd be taking it quite seriously because, like you said, Avia, it's extremely important that that stuff is done well. For the purpose of the show, they're Mm. the villains. So I think Sir Adrian just has that snooty air that just makes him so hard to like. That's that's (laughs) probably the main problem. Like, If he didn't sound like such a toffee wanker, you wouldn't necessarily (laughs) probably dislike him as much. Yeah, but even have a bowler hat. feels like he's carrying around a bowler hat. (laughs) He should be wearing a bowler. Yeah, no, he's definitely, you know, aristocracy. So, and then, but also the fact that he just turns on everybody as soon as someone like gives the slightest bit of evidence or slight implication on something. I don't think that's the great way to manage things. Like, oh, no, you. Oh, okay, you're all right there. But I love how Matt says that Jerry's crash was in complete accordance with regulations and intent does not constitute the crime, which Mm. I feel like that should be printed on a T-shirt somewhere. Yeah, that's quite philosophically sophisticated. I, I, I love that little part where Matt was just like, bop, 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 bop. he became all like um, Atticus Finch out of... Um, oh, the Killer Mockingbird. The Killer Dog Mockingbird. <laughs> yeah, and I like that because Jerry had enough enemies being stacked against him in the episode with Adrian, these two investigators. It's nice that Matt kind of backed him up so he had someone on his side as well because Matt could have been on the side of the, the villains as well. Trying yeah. to... Okay, so the investigators emerge from the building and they want to meet the girl, Barbara. They think he's been sneaking into Bardsley Airfield, often using the chopper without notifying anyone, and they want proof. Jerry comes out in his 90s and hands Matt his resignation letter. <laughs> we see Sonny and Skippy now are scouring the land for signs of the fire. Back at HQ quickly, Matt tells Jerry that, you know, he appreciates the gesture, but his resignation has not been accepted. It seems quite magnanimous, as if to say, you know, I've got your back, kid. Jerry says he regrets involving him and Mark in this whole affair, and then he goes to leave. Matt puts his hand on his arm to stop him. Jerry says, are you going to stop me? Matt says, if I have to. And they stare at each other. So it's now become quite tense and alpha male. Yeah, Lee, what did you think of this moment? Yeah, I was really surprised when that happened because it started off like, oh, look, he's just trying to say, don't resign. We'll get this sorted. But when he says the line to him, you know, you're not about to leave until we get this sorted. And then they immediately become aggressive each other and then they have those close-ups of both of their eyes that they cut back and forth very Sergio Leone Western yeah they're like yeah. they're about to yeah, have a like fight the, the, he actually said are you gonna stop me and then they, <laughs> they, cut, they cut back and forth I was like what the heck yeah, <laughs> yeah it escalated very quickly Jerry's quite naturally disagreeable the way he was talking to Mark in the last episode sometimes you just got to meet the girl and fly the chopper yeah. like Jerry's got this disagreeable streak which yeah he seemed to escalate that maybe it's the whole flyboy hothead type thing you know yeah I think so there is a hotness to but yeah it was quite surprising how um Tensor got all quickly. John, were you worried that there was going to be a fight? We're going to have our first fight of the season? Well, I was expecting there to be some kind of thing because they were intense there. That was like some very hardcore close-ups and staring. So I was expecting a bit. But then again, you know, it's them. It's not like they're going to fight over this. There will be, you know, some kind of resolution. But, yeah, it was tense. If they Mm. got into it, though, my money is probably on Matt because we've seen him absolutely kick the crap out of, 10 times as many people as Jerry. Like he's uh, an axe-wielding, yeah. rugged, 
experienced head ranger. You don't get yeah. that old yeah. yeah, I could imagine him just putting Jerry in a chokehold straight away or Vulcan yeah. neck pinch. Or he might just uh, point the bone and <laughs> he just drops it. <laughs> yeah. Then you see him and judo chop it like we've seen him do before. <laughs> yeah, as well. just yeah. judo chop and just yeah. right there. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe there was a fight scene that got knocked out. I'm sure Ross Napier would have written a punch up uh, in this episode, but we unfortunately don't get to see it. But what does happen is to Adrian is outside and he tells Hawk and Rankins, the investigators, that this is a most embarrassing situation. The investigators say they don't like it either, but they've got a job to do. Suddenly Barbara, the woman the investigators have been trying to identify, arrives in her car to meet Jerry. Jerry tries to push her back into the car, but Hawk and Rankins arrive and it's too late. Skippy is now rushing about, leaving Sonny behind. A fox checks her out, but doesn't growl at her like the dingo in part one. <laughs> Skippy is now rock climbing and Sonny is starting to break. Sad music plays for some reason and Skippy hails Sonny to the top of a rock. Skippy is staring down a hole and Sonny thinks she's misunderstood the instructions, amazingly still doubting her after 29 episodes. <laughs> they find evidence of a fire in a little cavity in the rock. Sonny gathers up some burnt sticks to take away. John, how did you feel about Skippy being doubted yet again? Oh, yeah. Like, it's very typical, isn't it? <laughs> because he's yeah. like, we're looking for a fire, Skip. And it's like, you even Sonny, you said you were going to use Skippy's nose to find the fire. So, uh, I don't know. What, what can you tell these kids? You know, yeah. just trust Skippy and do whatever she says. Um, yeah, I was going to add something to that as well, because people may not know that kangaroos actually do have a really superior sense of smell and they can detect things like watering holes from miles away. So they actually are very good at that. So it, it, even though it sort of seemed like he was treating him like he would a pet dog to say, like, use your bloodhound nose to sniff this out. <laughs> It actually does make sense that kangaroos can do that. They also have just yeah. those who are interested, really good vision and excellent hearing. So they're they're quite impressive animals. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can imagine there's bushfires, there's storms, there's crocodiles. There's so many dangers in the Australian bush. Any animal that involves here would have magnificent powers of detection. So. Their way of uh, moving is the most efficient form of use of their energy. Um, so you know they've basically evolved to become these survival machines. Yeah, they're very, very effective. Just going back a, a paragraph or so, Lee, what did you think about Jerry pushing Barbara back into the car to find her? <laughs> I wondered if you were going to point that out because he really shoved her down far. <laughs> I wondered because she, she's like, oh, and I thought, yeah, she's sort of actor. like, yeah, makes a sound. Like if she yeah, actually did. She made us out of the convertible. It's not like she disappears when he goes, the investigators can still see her. It's an open air car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. It's a, oh, jeez. She just kept shoving her head down lower, down below the seat. Just, <laughs> no one here. It just—it's one of those new cars that drives themselves. I don't know what you're talking about. Come on. Yeah. Well, that was in Ross's script. Shove it down yeah. the pedals. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That—that's the uh, only aggression we had in the episode, which is actually just the, the sad thing. Jerry and Barb are not even Matt and Jerry back in the room. A- apart from the um, the, just the overall aggression from the uh, investigators. <laughs> yeah, the passive aggression of the investigators. <laughs> yeah. So back at headquarters, now Barbara tells the investigators that Jerry has been visiting her regularly, but by car, not helicopter, 
and that they have multiple witnesses to back it up because they all still go out as a group. So there hasn't even been any one-on-one dates, John, between them. I know. I went dirty too soon. I I should have been more. It is the 60s. You know, it's it's an innocent time for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, maybe that's it. But, no, it was still, you know, in a car, though, not in a chopper. No. So the investigators realise they can no longer pin Jerry on one of their allegations, but... Still, Hawk says, no fire, no smoke, no smoke, no license. As they go to leave, Skippy leaps out in front of the investigator's car. She never made it that easy for Dr. Stark, but she's sitting there ready to be run over and killed in order to save Jerry's career. Now, Rankin gets out and tries to shoo her away, but she doesn't listen. Sir Adrian does the same. Sonny then arrives on the scene with the burnt sticks and which he'd collected from the cave and says they found the fire. It was in a cave and that's why everyone else missed it. They take the investigators to the cave. The next scene we cut to, the investigators let Jerry keep his helicopter license, his flying license. As Sir Adrian leaves, he says Jerry's off the hook from the flight regulators, but the park will still discipline him and he leaves the punishment up to Matt. Matt sentences Jerry to barbecue duties at future cub meetings until further notice and Mark to three weeks of dishes. Jerry says, thanks, Matt. Matt says, don't thank me. Thanks, Skippy. She found the fire. Our episode ends. Lee, overall, what did you think about it and how many gum leaves are you going to give it? Yeah, well, can I just comment on that last scene quickly? Because that whole punishment, he gives Jerry as a punishment, you go do the barbecuing, which is probably a fun thing to do. And Mark has to do dishes for three weeks. We need to remember that it was Jerry that put Mark in this position to start with. And it seems like Mark is the one who's getting punished for doing nothing but trying not to be an arc. Like yeah. he, he, I would be so pissed. If anything, <laughs> you think Jerry, if he'd be like later on, would just say to him, look, don't worry about that. I'll do the dishes. You don't deserve that. I put you in this position. Mm. Well, like, you'd hope he would. Yeah, he would I think the like, responsible adult. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think Matt was giving him a, a like a head injury discount. So you're like, you had that. So we'll take some time off your punishment. Just barbecue the meat but yeah so that that got to you didn't it that, that moment. oh i just thought it was just a yeah bit that, no i have to say that is a bit of an annoying thought yeah so overall i thought it was a pretty good conclusion i found this episode it might have been the state i was in the mood i was in but i liked it more than part one probably maybe it was also because everything just took such a different turn from that first episode and it was even though it was cliched by today's standards in terms of the whole detective interrogation scene we've seen that a million times now but putting myself back into a like 1960s lens and also for a skippy episode we've never seen anything like that before so their characters were antagonistic enough and snooty enough there was a variety of them we had a bigger cast so i actually did like this one so i'm going to give it 3.5 gum leaves which is higher than my last score for part one but i also wonder we should talk about rankin because that is a very famous australian actor so, John, do you want to oh, – I think you might have some facts there, so I might let you – Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know, what's there to say? Uh, Bill Hunter's been pretty much in every Australian movie since since he was born, I think. And just to name from going down backwards, Muriel's Wedding, which was sort of probably one of the ones I would have known him from when I was growing up. He was in Strictly Ballroom, Adventures of Priscilla and Queen of the Desert, Gallipoli, um, most Australian TV shows from, like, the 60s to, to up till the 90s. So, yeah, no, he's definitely 
one of the well-known actors in Australia. And, um, yeah, no, uh, it was amazing to see him in the episode and just sort of not really doing anything. He was completely in the background, really. Yeah, interesting, because I grew up in New Zealand, so I didn't know about him. So it's interesting how iconic he was. What about summarising this episode, John? Like, what do you think about it and uh, how many gum leaves? No, um, like Lee, I, I sort of agree. I, I really did like this episode. I liked the different tone it took from the last one. I like those two cop characters quite a lot. Well, investigator characters quite a lot because they really did, you know, they made us feel like that's the thing. If if a character makes you hate them, if they, a character makes you like them, they're doing their job. Yeah, And that's, that's sort of what I like about it. And that's the thing about a lot of these 60s shows. A lot of the time it does... It's like sort of Star Trek or something. It ends with a full circle of, well, now we've cleaned all that and cleared up all the misunderstandings. Everyone's friends. So I always love that ending too, because it's optimistic and semi-realistic because he cleared his name. I think I gave the last one a four. I think I might give this one a little bit more, maybe four and a quarter. Are are we going to do overall the whole thing together? or Yeah. I think uh, my overall would be like four and a half. Like it had a lot of drama. And like the key thing is the main thing about it is Skippy saves the day at the end. And yeah. I think that is the key thing. Yeah, I like that. Because I feel like a couple of episodes where Sonny's been quite quiet. He's been shipped off to grandmas and grandpas. And I think even Skippy has been a little bit. So, yeah, good to see them back again. I, I like the episode as well. I thought um, originally I was like, oh, why are they cutting off the – danger to jerry's life so soon that was the suspense the life and death issue but then it became like this yeah, law and order suv kind of thing and set in the australian outback and i think uh, the job of a drama is to make you ask questions and i was continually asking questions through this episode like how is jerry going to get out of this so that kept the suspense up for the end so maybe with this episode and overall i'm going to give this series this two-parter uh 4.2 gum leaves Nice. You know what? I'm going to, because I didn't give my overall, yep. now that you've both also gone so high, and I feel like I'm always quite low, I think as a package, the two together, I'm going to increase to 3.75. Cool. Lee, how does that compare to the other two part of the Tara series, which is more culturally themed? Do you remember what you gave that? Did you like that more than this one? I liked that one more personally. I mean, it's a subjective decision. Yeah. It's not, not to say that it was made better, but I think just because it did shed a light on something that is pretty important for our nation, which I mm. don't think gets enough light shed on it. So for that reason, I personally liked that more. Plus it had the whole, you know, the famous indigenous tribe dances. And I can't recall what I gave it, to be honest. But I, no. funnily enough, whatever I gave it back then, even in retrospect, I think I'm, I'd probably give it at least a four now, just even thinking yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so John, where are we going next week? Okay, so we're up to 31. Date in Dalmar with Sonny as hostage and a rifle pointed at Matt's head. Bank robber Keeler forces Matt to drive him from Waratah National Park to keep his rendezvous with his accomplices. Uh, so, yeah, another drama filled straight back into the hostage situations. I almost laughed during that because it's such a go-to method for this series to put Sonny's life in danger. So, yeah, back to normal. <laughs> yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. Back to the usual. So that's it for this week. Uh, John, I'll catch you next week. Thank you. See you later, Lee. See you next week. Scoopy, scoop, 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 sco